matter what age you are, running a farm is challenging. Joe and Janelle McHenry run three separate businesses on the farm they own, and they're only in their early 20s. But having a farm is what they've always wanted, and they're determined to make it work. Welcome to the Young Farmer Podcast. I'm Chris Torres, your host. I visited the McHenrys on their beef and crop operation in Kent County, Maryland recently, and we had a long conversation about their journey to becoming young farmers. Joe's journey as a farmer started when he was only 14, soon after his father died. Janelle is a former FFA state officer who grew up in a large-scale poultry and grain farm nearby. They talked about their initial struggles in gaining the trust of neighboring farmers, Joe's journey running a harvest crew out west, and how they juggle being young farmers and new young parents. Joey McHenry and Janelle McHenry, thank you thank for having you. me out on the farm. It's a beautiful day today. So um, tell me a little bit about the history of the farm. Joe, it's in your, in your family's background. Yes, sir. We started in Kent County, Maryland in 1922 on a separate farm than the one we're on today. We bought this farm in 1965, and from there on we were a dairy operation from then until 2012, where we had a death in the family. Then we transitioned to a beef operation that now we are versatile to grain farming, custom harvesting, uh, and also beef operation. All right, awesome. How how big was the dairy farm? We were milking 300 at our peak, um, and then, you know, we downsized a little bit before we had sold out, but uh, we most of the time stayed around that 300. I mean, I think it was like 18 or 1982, we went from about 150 cows to the 300 when we built a, my grandparents and my, their, actually my grandfather had two brothers and they all built a huge you know, piler here, which was un, unseen back in those days, um, built the piler, and then they expanded. And unfortunately, two years after that, both of the brothers were actually killed within 11 months of each other. Oh, wow. So my grandfather kind of kept it going with his own sons and sure. made it work out. And then your father ran it until 2012, and unfortunately yes. he died. Correct. My yeah. father, he uh, he was killed in a motorcycle accident, and, you know, it was just a freak thing to happen on a Sunday, and... You know, at that age, I had uh, two older sisters, but uh, they didn't really have the interest into the farm that, you know, I did. Um, my my father had two brothers, and, you know, one went off to be engineered, has a successful business. My other uncle was running a separate dairy, so he didn't have time to do anything. And my grandfather, he was, you know, high 70s at the time, and he didn't want nothing to do with it, you know, sure. so we sold out and i at that point i was 14 years old so they they thought i was a little young yet to <laughs> run a dairy now did you guys meet at that point back in 2012 have you guys have you guys met um we met in 2015 at an ffa event at kent county high school that's how it usually happens is through ffa events yeah so and i know you were you were were you a state officer at the time yeah, I was serving as the Maryland FFA state president in the Kent County High School had a tree project. So I attended their opening um, ribbon cutting day and I met Joseph then. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. And you come from a poultry background. Yeah, I was raised on a poultry and grain farm in Ingleside. Um, How far is that away from here? Just 30 minutes, give or take. Um, so my dad had 12, my dad and brother have 12 houses and I always just worked on the farm with them while I, Attended college and all through high school. So. And where'd you go to college? I attended Chesapeake Community College for two and a half years, and then I transferred to the University of Delaware, where I finished my bachelor's. Oh, awesome! And the farm itself is that is that a broiler operation? Yeah, we have large broilers. We grow from Mount Air. Oh, awesome! Awesome. Did you attend college, then, Joe? I did not attend college. I, uh, long story short, is I thought I needed to stay here, and I actually went out west instead of going to college I guess I shall say oh awesome figured that'd be more of an experience to go out and run a harvest crew than it would be to go to college um I actually had uh lots of people tell me oh you need to go to college but I actually had uh three or four good farmers I worked for at the time they told me they said what's your passion I said farming I said I want to be a farmer I want to take over my family operation you know we were hurting at that point because we had downsized and it's kind of hard transitioning. I mean, anybody's transitioning out of a dairy to a grain operation, you know, that's, it's really hard because your checks are so different. 
And that's what you really wanted to do at the time. You really wanted to transition into a grain operation. I, I did. I, I, I love because you had five hundred acres. Did yes. you have five hundred acres at that time. Okay. So we had five hundred acres. You know, my grandfather owns five hundred acres. So at that time, I we we were pushing. You know, we really, you know, wanted to do that. So I talked to those other farmers, and they said, "Well, if you want to farm and you want to do it, you can spend the money to go to college. What are you going to get? A plant science degree? A business degree?" He said, why don't you run the farm? Why don't you just go out with a good agronomist? Why don't you, you know, keep some time with, I guess, uh, very knowledgeable people that have been there. You'll learn more than you ever do going to college. And you have some knowledgeable farmers around this area, too. We do, and and I had the the honor, I guess, growing up in a smaller operation. You know, I I worked for a lot of different farmers around here because, you know, you know from 14 until, you know, I'm 23, be 24 here in a week, or not a week, a month. Um, you know, going into all those different operations, you learn how everybody runs their operation, how they do things differently, and then, you know, you come back to your own operation, and you, you're going to get a piece of that puzzle from every farmer, and then you put your own puzzle together. That's how I, I guess I, I'm different than everybody else. I don't, I don't have no right or wrong way. I just figure which way flows the best for my operation, sure. and I give all the credit working for those other farmers. Sure. Now, I, I'm not saying college is not a good idea. I mean, I, I know plenty of good buddies that went to college, and they had wonderful experience, and they knew things that I never would have ever sure. thought of. Yeah. But I, I did not have the opportunity to do so. And it's not for everybody. You know, for some people it's great, and some people, you know, it's just not for them. So there's nothing wrong with that. That is 100%. I mean, I'll be honest with you, my mind wasn't in college. Mm-hmm. And if your mind ain't into it, what's the sense going spending sixty thousand sure. dollars or however much it's going to cost you, sure. and then just for you to go on home? You know, sure. it's just the degree didn't matter that much to me. Mm-hmm. Okay, I mean, at the end of the day, who's going to come to my farm and say, "Hey, where's your business degree?" Sure. Or where's your plant science degree? You know, sure. and then you know, I I care a lot about cows as well. My mind wasn't there when I graduated high school. I was all worried about being the biggest grain farmer there was, and mm-hmm. then it varied to you know. We had beef cattle here. I did everything for my grandpa. You know, my grandpa, he was 70-something years old at that point. He mm-hmm. couldn't get around the cattle like he should. Sure. I was doing everything at the time, but I guess as time went by, kind of my passion's going more towards cattle. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't care about being that 3,000, 4,000-acre you know, grain operation. I'd rather be a versatile operation where... I got my beef cattle, I got my grain operation, and then, you know, I love my custom harvesting as well. You know, I get to see, you know, be on everybody's properties, you know, see farmers, see the way they do things. So, I don't know, long story short. No, that's awesome. That's awesome. But you you joined a harvesting crew out west. Yes, sir. How old were you? I turned 18 out there. And you ran a harvesting crew. So we're talking about 2017, 2018. 2016 around that area 2017 2017 yep what was that experience like and where did you go so i went to okay this is how story went we actually every family farm has that that you know my grandpa we're missing the generations my grandpa and i we kind of had different different mindsets of things and i want to see the world um we had a dispute you know and what every family farm does so he was running the operation still so i felt though i could go do something with my time and see the world so i looked up harvest crews and i found a crew i had several crews reach out to me and uh i i got to with uh bulls harvesting with i left the first of may we went out to kansas baruch kansas Mm -hmm. i helped them work on some machinery get it you know finished up for the year and then we left and went to wichita texas and well wichita falls texas and then we left there, or we harvested there for a few weeks, and then we went to Thomas, Oklahoma. Um, and we were in Thomas, Oklahoma for a couple weeks there as well. What were you harvesting? Uh, all wheat. I never got to do any other crops. Um, and then actually, the year that I went was the year that there was a lot of wildfires. Sure, yeah. So at that time, a lot of crews were hurting because my crew actually is a very southern crew. They go another two, three hours south so some of their big jobs were destroyed because of the wildfires oh, wow so it was just it was tough for them it was it was it was a really rough year so they were having trouble with you know i guess employees and drivers and all and I, it was just a very tough year how i should say it 
So, um, I guess a lot went down, and it was an opportunity where they gave they gave a lot of other employees the option to go somewhere else because the money wasn't there. Yeah. So I actually ended up calling my grandfather and asking if he if he was ready for me to come home yet or not, and he uh, very very happy for me to ask that question. They were having a lot of trouble back here. Uh, you know, we were a small, a small, older dairy, so a lot of our equipment at that time was needing to be, re- you know, replaced, repaired, or however. So, my grandfather would like to have somebody young that would do it come back. So, I come back here at that time, and um, then I, ever since then, I've been here. But on that crew, you know, I, I had a had it was a father and son operation. Uh, the crew leader was his son Matt, which had a very good relationship with. We ran six machines, so it was a it was a pretty neat operation out there. So, what'd you take away from that? I, you know, we have the honor of of farming here on the eastern shore. You know, it you can't get no better. I mean, you get done a uh, a day's worth of work, you can go jump in a boat, go out in the bay. Yeah. You know, you, you you got so many different things you can do. You know, you our grain prices are always better than the Midwest. Our yields are always if not phenomenal, they're right there. You yeah. know, you, like, for instance, last year we had a really dry year and we still come out on top. Yeah. You know, we do have tough climates. We do have... People. Struggle. <laughs> we have a lot of people. We do that. But, I mean, going out in the Midwest, I mean, being in Texas, you know, they, they, they pasture that wheat for those cattle. Mm-hmm. Then they turn around and harvest it because they need the extra money to be able to plant the seed next year. They'll save the seed out for the sure. new following year. You know, it they have to farm smart. You know, they, yeah. they don't have the opportunities. You know, around here, you know, we have a bad year. We know next year is going to be better, you know, or, or we get the opportunity for the next year or else we can make it work, I guess. Yeah. You know, we have rivers and streams that we can pump water out of for irrigation you know you I, I was have that out there i was in several different places where it was so dry i mean they never even heard of somebody irrigating you know sure. it, it's just so the opportunity of going out there you know you learn the struggles you learn how should i say it? you learn not to or you learn to be honored of what you have or, i don't know I, 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 I like to tell everybody you know you have to be willing to... It's kind of like you don't know what you have until it's gone. Yes, yeah. yes, pretty much. Yeah. It just... Even just Atlantic Tractor being five minutes away. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I was... I broke... <laughs> fun story. I broke a feeder house acceleration gearbox. So, it's you know, it's a pretty big deal. You know, you got to take the whole feeder house apart in order to mm-hmm. fix this thing. And... uh out there on the harvest crew, you know, John Deere, Case IH, Klaus, all of them have service crews. They have big tra- trailers that follow the cr- follow the harvest, you know, and they have techs that do everything for them, you know, that will come out and sure. do the work. Yeah. I mean, there's dealers, but there's just, the dealers can only do so much. Yeah. And, uh... It probably comes, it's probably gotten to the point with all that, how advanced everything is out there they could probably tell when something is broken at this point can't they i mean they they pretty much can and i mean when you know it's been several years ago now i've been there but i broke the accelerator they called i waited three hours for somebody to get there and they got there and it took mm-hmm. it took them three hours to get there to mm-hmm. the field that i was in and i was halfway across a mile long field okay mm-hmm. they got Time there is money <laughs> yeah they didn't have one piece i had to get back in the truck and our work truck and drive to the John Deere dealership, which was three and a half hours away. <laughs> and by the time I got back, the last little piece they needed to put together is what I had. And I mean, it was just, it was a day. Wow. You know, here I can jump in the truck and be at the John Deere dealership in 15 minutes and Money be back. Character. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. It's, it's not as easy out there. Sure. Now I will say their dealerships are made for that long haul i mean yeah. you get to that dealership they're going to have what you or they're most likely going to try to have what you need right but it's just it's a different way of life out there yeah totally different world totally different world yeah, i mean absolutely you know a lot of farmers here on the shore what i've noticed is you know everybody's kind of everybody has that one thing that they're good at whether it's grain farming a beef operation 
Um, very little dairies left, but a yeah. dairy operation. But everybody's got that little side, you know, side business. You know, everybody's got, you know, if you're a beef operation, you might have a little vegetables or a little bit of something. Most operations, I will say. You know, out there, it seems like if you're a feedlot, you're a feedlot. If you're a grain operation, you're a grain operation. There's right. no in-between, I guess. And right. I, I thought that was very, very neat to still see that. Mm-hmm. But I mean, they still make a good enough living that they can they can do something like that. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So while he was out there, while he was gallivanting out west, what were you doing? Um, I was at college at the University of Delaware. And did you guys get back together then when you came back, or how did that how did that work? Good <laughs> technology. <laughs> well, you know, fortunately, we got big old fancy cell phones now, so we <laughs> we kept pretty good contact. Um, once I got back, you know, it was over with. But then I guess we. We never, you know, never stopped. And when I got back, it was we knew what we wanted to do from the start, um, which was farm together and mm-hmm. have some kind of operation. And you know, at that point, um, you know, Janelle was getting close to being done in school, so it wasn't the first time we were ever away for a long period of time. I've done a lot of traveling through sure. the opportunities that I've had. So to me, it was just you know the next obstacle. Like we'd always be back in touch, or we always got along and. <coughs> stayed connected so awesome so that was 2016 and um mm-hmm. and then you got you guys you guys always had the focus on what you wanted to do in terms of what kind of farm you wanted then so you wanted to be in beef and you wanted to have obviously you had the green operation so well, well be honest with you um i had a harvest business when i left to go out west i just started it it was very small i had two or three local farmers around here plus my grandfather actually i started the harvest business because we never had a combine growing up we had a chopper you know when we had beef or dairy operation there was no sense of yep. you know harvesting any crops the few hundred acres that we do we'd always get a custom operator to come in and do it and it worked out great yep. well as time went on you know it, it, the cost of so many acres because we had other op, other acres besides what we owned here it, it costs us so much i told my grandfather i said we're both available. We're both here. I'm in high school, but I can, I can make it work. So he bought me my first combine. It was a 1440 case size combine, old, old combine, but very good to learn on too. Mm-hmm. I mean, I always ran a combine for our custom operator, anyways. So mm-hmm. I, I knew what I was doing, but I didn't, never done it by myself. I guess I should say. So uh, that combine actually didn't work because I mean we were really getting good at growing our beans. Um, so. I asked him if he would trade that combine in on another one that I wanted to buy, and he agreed. So I traded it on a 9650 John Deere STS rotor machine. Um, and that year, I actually went out west that spring, come back, harvested our own wheat here. I like to say I harvest wheat in a lot of states one, one year. Um, harvested our own wheat. And then um, I did a few other people's crops that fall, and then it was all history from there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wanted to start farming green as well. Um, so that was our two things at that time. That's what we focused on, too. And then we focused on, you know, custom hay, other things custom-wise. Sure. And then it wasn't until a few years ago, right before quarantine, you know, my grandparents were having a hard time selling their beef. Right. You know, we live, I like to say, in a weird part of Maryland. You know, the the sales, the meat packing houses are so far from us. It's kind of, by the time you ship it there, by the time you pay your dues, your fees, you're really not making that much money. You know, at that point, sales really weren't making that much money. You had to go right to the packing house to actually make any money with finished beef. Yeah. So, uh, actually, Janelle and I talked about it. You know, it seemed that small farms that are selling meat out, you know, out of their farm operations, it seemed that they were really taking off. So Janelle and I sat down and we ran some numbers and <laughs> trying to figure out how we could get it going. I mean, it's expensive to do. Yeah. Um, so we sat down with my grandparents and at first they were very eerie of it because I mean they're they're an older time group of people, so they they they've never seen people on the farm, you know. Yep. So we started it and don't get me wrong, it was rough. But what was so rough about it? I mean, what were, what were the you covered it a little bit when I emailed you earlier? But I mean, what were the what were the biggest struggles in starting that part of the business? 
The be- biggest struggle was finding appointments. Like, so, like, when we called Solosville, they were, what, a year out before we could even get a beef in. Um, so we actually had one beef appointment just for ourselves that we got every year, and we kept half for ourselves and sold half, and that took a few months to sell just half of a beef. Um, and that was just very interesting. I was graduated, so I was home, and I could help um, in the evenings, pack orders, and do pickups. Um, so I'm going to say that was our biggest challenge. And then I think now it's just making sure that we are where we're needed at all times. Mm-hmm. Was it an adjustment for you, you know, the fact that you came from a poultry operation, and now you're doing beef? <laughs> oh, <there's laughs> So growing up on a chicken farm, chickens came hatched and they left <laughs> eight pounds. Um, so I never saw a live birth in my life. I, you know, I didn't know all the parts of a animal or beef animal. Yeah. Um, so I still have people that contact me looking for a cut, and I'm like, I, I need to learn about that. So yeah. um, that's been an obstacle, but it's been entertaining. I've seen a Very few live births now. Um, it's not really my cup of tea, but um, I'm learning every day. Sure, sure. Now you have 40 cows. You have 40 mother cows, and then you know you run a cow calf operation. Is that is that the? Is well, that like I like to tell everybody, my numbers never stay the same. <laughs> um, I really, I really shouldn't tell anybody a number because I mean, technically, I have 40 cow calf that are calving right this second, and mm-hmm. I have about another 30 that are going to calve this fall, mm-hmm. you know, that are all heifers, replacement heifers now. Um, but still, mama and pop up are still in the operation, mm-hmm. and that's one way that we can still support them. So they still oh, own okay. a portion of the cows, and then we'll buy them finished from them just to help them with where they are in life. They're not able to get out and still do their jobs, but we want to be there for them. Oh, well, that's great. The whole reason we started this operation... We weren't really looking out for ourselves when we started this business. We were looking for something. Like, I was coming back. My grandparents couldn't get the amount of money. I mean, they, I mean, they were barely making enough to make it worth it. You know, it, it, there was a couple steers they sent that they actually, if you did the math, you know, they were negative. So, the reason we started this beef, op- beef operation was so that they could live a little bit better. You know, at some point... My grandfather was going to have to rent his ground out to somebody, whether it was me or whoever, you know. So we wanted to be able to make sure that, you know, if he got sick, if he got down, that I, you know, I was running this cow operation for him. So this way, you know, I'm running it for him. We make a little bit of money off of it. You know, we buy them for market price. That's that's nobody, you know, nobody, you know, that that's fair, we thought was fair. Yeah. You know, so they make out good, you know, and we make out, but I need to make sure they're taken care of, because if they're not taken care of, then what would happen with our farm operation? Right. So, you know, in, in a family farming operation, you know, I've seen so many farms, I mean, here locally of us, you know, the kids left, you know, they made, they, the farm couldn't withstand all those kids. So the kids left, well, nobody came back. Well, fortunate for my family, you know, I was the youngest grandson. So it worked out where I was very passionate of the farm. I wanted to be here. So that's why with this beef business, we were like, yeah, this, is, this is something I could step up and yeah. support them. You know, my grandfather, he's unfortunately not able to come out and do any farm work no more. Mm-hmm. But now he's still collecting a check. You know, this farm and operating, I mean, he still owns this farm. He still owns the barns. He owns everything. Yeah. But this business is supporting them to keep them going so that this farm will be in our heritage for years to come. I mean, I, you know. And that's a goal of ours. You know, when we're 60 plus, we want to be able to have a business that, you know, we're able to retire and our children or grandchildren want to run the operation. Mm -hmm. And we mean, we don't pay ourselves because, and we don't pay towards retirement because, our goal is to have a business that's successful enough to get to that point. So yeah. it's kind of full circle in the end, and we hope that one day we're in those same shoes. Yeah, that's yeah, awesome. I mean, we're 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 fortunate to have a son here. You know, he's eight months old now. What's his name? Lee. Lee. He's named after my father. Well, it's Joseph Lee. Uh, Joseph is a long-term, I guess, farming name through my grandfather. My grandfather's name, then his father's name. Um, oh, my. Sorry, it was my grandfather's father's name and then his father's name. Um, 
So we kept it Joseph, and then Lee was my father's name. So we wanted to name him after my father, you know, sure. just you know, just to have that. Yeah. Um. So you know, he's eight months old, but like we've talked about, you know, we we plan to have a couple more children if we can, you know, if the God you know would, would provide them for us. But you know, whether Lee wants to leave this farm and operation or not, you know. We hope that either somebody within our family, or maybe it even turns out to be a cousin or somebody in that sort, can run our operation. You just want to keep it in the family, though. Yeah, you I mean, keep just this thing going. Keep it going. I mean, it, it's That's awesome. It's the passion, I believe, that does does the justice. I guess. I sure. mean, um, actually, the night that my father passed away, both my uncles come down. You know, one one lives two and a half hours from here. And one um, lives right down the road, and I have a cousin. They were all close to my father, and when he passed away, they all sat down that night and were trying to figure out how you know how everything was going to go, yeah. you know, what was going to happen. And they said from that night forward, Joey's going to be the one. So it was a few months later. I remember, you know, you're I was 14 years old. I was never part of any business or anything like that. Big responsibility. Um, the, my dad's two brothers sat me down, you know, it was the kitchen of my grandparents' house, you know, they sat me down and, uh, they told, told me, they're like, we're going to bring a lawyer in here and, uh, we need to get everything set forth that you're going to run this operation when you're fit of age. So. You're 14. I was 14 at this time. Did you even, did you even comprehend that kind of responsibility at that time? I wouldn't have. Well, I heard a story that when he was two, he told his mom how to drive a tractor. So I feel like it was just in his blood. So they, they told me if I wanted to have the opportunity, <laughs> it was mine. So what they ended up doing is, you know, it was actually later that day, um, my grandparents, my two uncles, they, you know, they figured out how they wanted to, and they had changed the will because my, my father was the one running the operation. So he, you know, he was going to get receive a large portion, portion of the farm, you know. Yeah. So they, they moved everything around, and then, you know, they made it so, you know, if anything would to happen, you know, that I would be the one, you know, seen farming. I would be mm-hmm. the one taking over the farming operation. Yeah. Um, and for the years to come, I guess this, you know, at that time, from there to now, you know, going through high school, graduating high school, I never really understood what it was because I, I wasn't. I was not allowed to take full control until I was 25 years old. Mm-hmm. Is how it was set up. You know, I'm still I'm not 25 yet. But what happened was, is after I graduated high school and I started my own business, I showed them that that I deserve it or I'm honored to it. And actually, you know, the last two years have been an honor. I guess my grandparents have pretty much just transitioned it over mm-hmm. to me. You know, I mean, they still have, like I said, their mm-hmm. own operation. Mm-hmm. But I've taken portions of it over each year. So shares. Shares, yeah. They've been yeah. giving you shares. So it, it's great. kind of, it's neat to see, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's go back to um, the struggle that you said, you know, with finding, it's just finding someone to actually slaughter those animals. Did you guys, how did you guys get over that? I mean, you know, was there somebody, did you did you find an agreement long term with, 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 the, with the local processor? Do you still have that? struggle or do you process them here (laughs) um yes it's not necessarily a struggle today so we started to get in with sellersville so once we had a sellersville where's that located sellersville meat locker um it's about 20 minutes from here okay um and it's a local family butcher shop um and they also have their own storefront so once we found out that we were able to definitely sell beef and move beef um they they're a few months out or they're a year out, but we have our appointments scheduled for the next two years mm-hmm. right now. So that's the one nice thing is that we have that capability. So they do ourselves and a few other businesses that sell directly to consumers, but then they also do custom cuts. Mm-hmm. So like if somebody wanted just a half, they would um, they could buy it from us or buy it from Sellersville and cut it up themselves and you know have a bulk beef there at their house. Um, so they have the availability for people like that. And, I mean, that's how we, we were started. That's what We got our own beef cut up for ourselves. And then we had to go through all the licensing and stuff so that we could sell to others. But right. they're, they're technically the licensed one to process everything for us. Okay, okay, okay. We were very fortunate, like we said. Uh, <clears throat> we had that first half that we sold. It took us a little while to get, get to it. But luckily, you know, we live in a nice small community. So a lot of people in our community is, like I'd like to tell everybody, you know, Selling to these restaurants is nice and all, 
but our communities who come together for us to start our business. Yep. You know, um, it ended up where we were a long time getting rid of that half, but then we finally, you know, we talked with Sellersville and begged them and, you know, really, really worked with them. And they actually gave us a few more appointments that year. Um, so we, we actually slaughtered, I think it was two back to back. And, you know, we didn't have much freezer space at the time. We didn't have no fancy freezers. So we didn't have enough room. So Janelle just put it on Facebook, you know, hey, we need to get rid of this. I mean, people come and they're very supportive of us. They bought more than probably they should have. But, I mean, it, it's 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 started there. And then, you know, after we did those two, and we were like, look, this is starting to get pretty steady. And then we started getting, you know, people from other places. Like, I mean, we get southern Pennsylvania, Annapolis, you know, people in that sort. And then mm-hmm. we live in Kent County, Maryland. This is a tourist <laughs> area. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So there's a lot of campgrounds, and there's a lot of summertime homes around here. Yeah. And that's where we started getting really big because the quarantine happened, so people weren't working in their businesses. So they were coming to their summertime getaways, sure. working, and they were stopping and getting us meat, you know, or getting our meat, and then campgrounds, you know. So that really gave us the ability to go there. But, I mean, it, Sellersville Meat Locker, we owe a lot, too, for the, I guess, uh, availability that they gave us. You know, sure. they, they really worked with us, and Janelle really made things work out you know and now they call us and hey you got enough here you know can we work with you and take one of yours this month and give you another one this month or or can can we you know work something out with you and we have very good relationship with them so and the one thing go back to consumers is they want to step foot on a farm like that's their goal especially these touristy individuals everyone wants to see the calves out in the field the mothers out in the field and by them coming to the farm to pick up, I think, is also a benefit. You know, mm-hmm. they get to see it. We get to build that relationship with them, build that trust, let them know about the importance of um, meat production in general. Um, that's a big push and educational standpoint of my own. And um, I just enjoy building these relationships and getting them on the farm. And, you know, people come to see the calves specifically if we have some up in the barn. So I enjoy taking the people out so they can see too. Well, you had told me, which was really interesting um, in the email, you had told me, you know, you don't necessarily market, you tell your story. Yeah, absolutely. People want to know what we're doing. Like, What's that big machine, the combine? You know, why are we out in the middle of April in a field? They just want to understand what we're doing. And um, we don't really push, you know, what exactly we have in our freezers unless I really need to get rid of some stuff. But they want to see the calves that calved this weekend. We had twins, for example, and they loved (laughs) that. Um, So they they just want to learn. They want to understand. And we want to be transparent. We want them to know. You know, what we're doing is what we enjoy and what we live for. Mm-hmm. And what breed do you have? So we have actually, there's probably about five old cows that are half Angus, half Holstein. Mm-hmm. That right at the end of our, before my father passed away, there was a, a market for breeding Holstein cows to black Angus. Sure. And selling it at the sale. That was a big market. So we we were keeping some of those. Because my grandfather always had 30 cows mixed in. Beef cows that were always in a separate pen. So we, we started doing that. Um, so we still have a few of those left. But primarily Black Angus. Now I recently last year bought a Charlotte Bull. Because um, I'm trying to get a better product of meat. Um, and a little bit bulkier animal. So mm-hmm. I mixed Charlotte in. And we were actually having... We've had about 25 calves on the ground so far this year, and they're beautiful. Everything's been great about them. But mm-hmm. I, I'd like to be primarily black Angus. Wouldn't mind red Angus, but try to stay in the Angus and sure. then uh, crossbreed with Charlet. And then, you know, just keep keeping that circle. Maybe if I have a Charlet black Angus heifer, um, maybe I'll breed it back to a black Angus. Just try to keep in that, that loop there. Sure, sure, sure. How have you been able to grow the custom harvesting business? Well... I guess a struggle we both had, and I was going to say this earlier, but I didn't get to it, is when you have an 18-year-old or 20-year-old come to you about, you know, selling beef or trying to get appointments for beef or trying to get someone to custom harvest, you kind of get a lot of chuckles. Like, you, you're not really looked up upon. So that was a struggle for us. Getting the first few people to trust us and it was hard, but 
After we gain that trust, I feel like we've been able to get to where we are today. And this is everything. This is the beef. This is the custom harvesting. This is everything. I mean, you could go to a car dealer and say, hey, I want to buy a car at the age of 20, and they might chuckle at you. Sure. It's kind of just a generation thing, I think, that everyone challenges with. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the biggest struggle in my life was is I didn't have a father and a lot of the banking operations work as, you know, you need a cosigner. You need somebody to be there to help you, you know. I had no credit. I had nobody sign on with me. You know, mm-hmm. my grandparents, they probably would have, but, you know, they were in their late 70s. Why would you about, put a debt on top? How about your mother? Um, my mother's never really been in the picture, so. Ah, uh, okay. Try Got to keep it. her, you know. But, um, Got it. Um, but so the banking, you know, banking, you know, you kind of, you needed somebody there. Never had that person. So, therefore, it was a struggle. But once once I got going with that, you know, then it got easier, I should say. But that's that's something that I struggled with at a young age. Um, also with the harvesting business. Um, so, like I said, I started with a couple of local people around here and my grandfather. Um, one of the agreements was my grandfather, he bought me the first combine. So, I had to make up for that money he paid for it. So, I actually harvested his crops for free for two years. Mm-hmm. It was our agreement, and it worked out. Um so, I guess it was probably about the second year. Um, there was a couple custom people around here. They're older. They had older equipment. They were kind of not saying they wanted to get out of the business, but they really didn't care to gain anymore. Yeah. Didn't care to lose it. You know, and I, I was. It's hungry. like they were at the point where they were like, you know, this is what I'm going to do. You know, I'm getting older. I really don't need to have that much more. Exactly. Now it's ready for the next generation, maybe to you know. Yeah, so um, I ended up, I ended up taking taking the leap. I guess you'll say I, you know, I I bought some technology from a combine. You know, I was like, man, if I get this mapping situation, people can see you know see yield maps. Maybe this would be the the ticket. So I spent a bunch of money on that. Uh, I did a little better upkeep on my combine, and actually, uh, one of the fellows that was harvesting right here was really kind of making people mad because he. You know, it costs a lot of money to maintenance to come on. It really does. Sure. And and he was losing a lot of green out the back. And, you know, people people always swore that I was young. I didn't know what I was doing. And and harvesting for a few people that would let me, they were telling everybody, man, this this dude's got a clean come on. You know, he, he's doing great, which I didn't have that many people to harvest for. So I always took it slow. And you know, I wasn't worried about the next person. I was worried about getting that person done, you know. Mm-hmm. So by me doing that, you know, that, that that rumor spread. And, you know, the person would be in a jam or something, you know, and, you know, a few farmers were in a jam. That's, that's how I got their, their you know, their business, you know. Yeah. They're in a jam, and, and I was the man, you know. So yeah. I would go to their farm, and I harvest, and they were like, really, that's a really good job you've done. You know, I'd like to talk to you again at the, you know, beginning of next year. So that's kind of how it went, you know, is – uh I earned a trust. And I think that's whether how old you are or how young you are. You know, that that trust is what means the most. But at a younger age, you got to earn the trust first. Yeah, sure. And sure. farmers talk more than high school girls in the bathroom. So if you burn that trust, they're, they're going to tell everyone and they're oh, going to know. And it's not a bad thing because everybody they want to know else. So, yep, yeah, they want to know what's community. going on. Um, yeah. So... Like he said, earning their trust and just being reliable. When Joey says, hey, I'm going to be here Wednesday, he's going to be there Wednesday unless something was broke down. Like, that's his plan, and he's going to do it. And, and you worked a little, you, you worked right, well, excuse me, you worked right alongside him, though. Growing I've the always, business right alongside him, haven't you? Yeah, I've always been there with him and for him. I get to drive sometimes in the combine, <laughs> but I've always had a full-time job. So it was a challenge trying to, you know, still work my eight-hour day and also help Joe. But then he also was able to take off when he got 18 and he got his CDLs and he was like, hey, I can combine and I can take your grain to the mill. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of another step for some farmers that he got their pull. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, the largest achievement, I guess, for the custom operating business was, you know, the first, I guess the, the, what would you consider that, the, what I was hearing from other people, what I what I was hearing from people that the the customer that I was you know harvesting for, they never talked to me you know because I was they felt wrong I guess to to tell me anything. The first problem I had was I had new trucks. I'd always outsource trucks. Actually, I'd give business to other custom guys that didn't want to custom do so much anymore. 
I give them the trucking. So, you know, we all win, you know. Well, they didn't like two invoices. Then once I got my own trucks, then the problem was, well, he's only got one truck. You know, I had I had one tractor trailer, and then I had um, one six-wheeler. Mm-hmm. Then they were like, well, he, he can't do but so much grain in a year. Then I bought a grain cart. You know, it, it was just stepping points. And then the last... It's almost like, it was almost like, okay, you know, it, it, it's like, well, I can't do, you know, enough to make these people... <laughs> I always got to prove myself. Exactly. You know, that, like you that was... prove yourself. That was always the thing. And, you know, I was never big enough. I always had a big enough combine. I could, I could cover all the ground that I needed to in a reasonable time. So then the last two years, I've had, you know, I have two trucks now, um, and then I have a thousand bushel grain cart. Mm-hmm. That's plenty for the machine I have. And I, nine times out of ten, have two drivers in my trucks. So we're always in very good shape, mm-hmm. you know. So I, I have everything the way I want it now. But now the problem seems running. The problem I run into now is I have, I guess, built the trust of so many people that my phone doesn't stop ringing. <laughs> so, so do we take that next leap? So that that's the problem I have is I've always been a person, you know, growing up, I guess growing up at a young age, you know, losing your, your father at 14, you know, like I said, my mom was not really in the picture um, at the time. So I, I had to, you know, I lived with my grandparents, grew up with my grandparents. Um, and then helping other older people, you know, trust is everything. Absolutely, yeah. So your word of mouth is everything. Yeah. So running this business, I've always swore by. Like Janelle said, if I'm going to be there, You're gonna I'm going to be there. Yeah. So, you know, I, this past year was the largest year I've ever had. You know, we, we covered almost 4,000 acres. Wow. So it was great. It was huge. You know, I, you know, luckily have a, a client that he's a huge organic farmer. I love doing business with him. And the weather didn't want to cooperate. You know, um, it was dry. Then all of a sudden got wet this past fall. Sure. You know, you know I, I start harvesting when everybody else does, but I always am a month after everybody else <laughs> because of all the different crops I cover. Yeah, absolutely. What do you cover, by the way? I mean, you cover, I mean, do you go down the gamut, corn, soybeans? Do you do any wheat as well? So I do barley, wheat. I do, I do barley and wheat in the spring. That's all I've done so far. Mm-hmm. Now, I do sorghum, corn, and soybeans in the fall. Wow. So I mean, we we cover everything. I mean, there's I'm probably missing. I mean, I, I cut. I, I've actually done sunflowers for people. You know, wow. little, little plot. I mean, nothing crazy, but little plots for seed. Sure. Um, is a sorghum crop? Is there is there a sizable sorghum sorghum crop in this area? Um. So further south, I've actually had people call. It's me. a great summer crop. Yes. It's a great summer crop. Yeah, it really is, and there's really not no market in our area, right in our I guess 25 mile radius. Mm-hmm. But if you go of our 25-mile radius further south, you'll see sorghum everywhere. So I've had people in Cambridge wow. call me trying to get me to come down and harvest. Now it's big lots of you know ground down there, but it's just it's too far of a travel. Sure. Where's it going to? Where's the sorghum going to? So the sorghum, uh, it really all depends. It goes to a lot of um, bird feed. Okay. So there's actually a big market. And there's actually a few mills in Pennsylvania that have reached out looking for sorghum and sunflower seeds in Pennsylvania Interesting. for bird food. And then I think there's one, it's in the Carolinas or Virginia, that there's another big place that does it. You can grow it. I mean, I, I've seen, well, I mean, the top sorghum grower in the country is in Pennsylvania in terms of yield, not yep. in terms of acreage, but in terms of yield. The top one for the last couple of years is in Pennsylvania. He's in western Pennsylvania, actually. Yep, I mean, so it's... You can grow it. It's a really good crop. I mean, in this area... I might do a hundred acres a year, okay. If that, you know, so not much. But. No, it's not very much. Um, I've had opportunities to probably cut a lot more than that. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's it's you'd have to store it around here, and it's a hard crop to store. So yeah. it, it's, it really doesn't doesn't work out for a lot of these yeah. rotations. I, I should say. So most of the custom harvesting with the custom harvesting, I mean, you know, are they storing it on farm, or are you taking it to you know somewhere else to a mill, or where, 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 where's it going? So I have, I think it's 14 or 15 clients, and, and some of those clients, I mean, my smallest client's 30 acres, mm-hmm. you know, and then my largest one's 1,200 acres. Um, but most of my average size, I guess you'd say, is two, 250-ish acres. Okay. You know, that's, that's my average size of some, most of my smaller people, um, not considering myself. But my large, I guess, 
my normal size client, they do not have green bins. You know, it's all straight to the mill. And that, that actually becomes a problem as well, harvesting. Because a lot of these mills, like last year, you know, high yield. They get backed up. They're backed up. Yeah. You can't take no more crops. You can sit there for hours, can't you? Yep, yeah. so you have to switch crops and everything else. Yeah. Um, What's, where's the closest mill to here? So the closest mill would actually be Dunmarva Feed, probably. Okay. Um, Dunmarva Feed actually buys a lot of our corn. Okay. That we actually sell them ninety percent of our corn from and that's our going, own and operation. that's going to the chicken. That's going to the chicken business. That's going. That actually does not. That actually is a local feed mill. Oh, okay. Yep. That, okay. They do everything. Um, they provide feed all up and down the coast here. Okay. Yep. Okay. And then uh, our local, I guess, elevator you'd call it. That's most people would go to would be Lynch Purdue. Okay. That would be the closest one here. I mean, there's there's five mills within the local 10 mile radius here mm-hmm. there's a mount air and massey or a Mill- millington there's a nagels uh not nagels uh what is stony it stony knoll there's stony knolls in crumpton which they're independent um so m- most of the mills that are local are going to the poultry industry we're right. just very fortunate to have delmarva feed right down the road mm-hmm. well, we have delmarva feed then we also have um Hostet are not too far away. Um, Do they, they have a location Massey? around here? Don't they have one in Massey? Cause that they got cameras. Yeah. yeah, yep, that is Hostetters. So I mean, they're you know they're going for several different things. I mean, they're also they they provide to ISE the yep. the laying facility. So yep, yep. <laughs> so what would be the next step? I mean, what would be the next step? Now you're at four thousand acres, or you did four thousand acres last year. So what would be the next step in growing that part of the business? So truthfully. I'm at the point where I really don't. I don't necessarily want to get any bigger in the custom <laughs> harvesting operation. I tell you, because um, you know, having my son now, you know, working from sun up to sun down has never been a problem. But working sun up to sun down, then half the night, that's become a problem. Absolutely, yeah. You know, I get it. I got three. I got three kids. I totally get it. And uh, totally you know, I never, it. I never saw it that way because I, I used to like a Horizon Organic Dairy. Uh, they were a large part of me growing up. I started working for them probably before I was supposed to. But, you know, we'd run all night, all day, chopping silage. You know, when mm-hmm. it was go time, you know, they, we went because, you know, they were very big on their, you know, moisture percentages. You know, so I, I, it doesn't matter to me. I work 72 hours. I don't, I don't, don't bother me. You know, after them, I might have to take a good nap. But, um, <laughs> So that never really bothered me until we had Lee. And then once we had Lee, actually changed the subject a little bit. I, I got a contract hauling sweet corn caps. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have, we're very fortunate where we're at and we have the opportunity. So I was hauling sweet corn caps for, for, uh, for them, two other farms, farming operations. When you say sweet corn caps, define, what, what are sweet corn caps? I'm sorry that I don't know what that is. What are sweet corn caps? So sweet corn caps is basically all the byproduct of the sweet corn. Okay. From a, from a cannery. From a cannery. Oh, okay, got it. Got yep. it. Got it. So everything, you know, there's some corn left that all the rejected ears, all the byproduct, you know, mm-hmm. everything but the kernels itself. Um, so... We had Lee. We had a little bit of difficulty. Um, so we were at the hospital for a few more days than we thought we would be. Um, and cannon season had just started. <clears throat> so I actually, the night that we got home from the hospital, I went down there, ran all night long. Um, and I didn't expect to work the whole season, but it just worked out that I worked every night all season long. Mm. And, you know, one of my biggest regrets is the first two months of Lee's life, I never really, I never stayed home. <laughs> Sure. So I, I, I didn't know what, you know, the first night I stayed home, it was actually weird to me that, you know, Janelle kept saying, oh, he sleeps through all night. He's, he's a real good baby. And, you know, I'd get home at 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. Lucky. Yeah, that, that's for sure. Not I now. mean, you know, that, that did change. But I was blessed. But I'd get home 2, 3 o'clock in the morning from, you know, my routes. And I'd walk in the door and I'd be like, man, he ain't breathing. You know, and I'd touch him, he'd wake right up. You know, so. Yeah. It, it was it was a big learning curve, you know. I wasn't there for no, you know. And, you know, I was sleeping half the morning when I should have been, you know, helping take care of Lee. So it kind of that kind of really proved to me that I needed to do do some more. Um, so I guess going back to the question, I, I'd like to stay where I'm at, 
you know, I'm very efficient where I'm at. I don't, you know, I have a newer, decent combine, and I'd like to keep that one around. Mm-hmm. And and I don't want to expand it to combines yet because it's just too hard to find the people. Yeah, you know, sure. You buy another combine, then, you know, you got another one or two employees. You have uh, a, a bigger liability, bigger insurance bill, Um then you know you're going to need more trucks. Yeah, trucks aren't cheap, hard to come by. I mean, I just I'm very efficient where I'm at there. Um, what we've really liked to do is I've told several people here recently. You know, I'd like to build my farming operation to, you know, twelve to fifteen hundred acres, and then I'd like to run a farming operation, but then I'd also like to run my cattle operation, have an equivalent size operation. Because I really believe in, you know, we have a very good cover crop program around here. Oh, yeah. So I, I like... pay you. Yes, it's paid, you know, and, you know, if you're smart enough to do it, you can, you know, take your dispine out there and mow it off. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I plant wheat, crimson clover, and winter peas, mm-hmm. you know, and that that's my mix. And then I'll go out with a dispine, I'll mow it off, and I'm, I'm a big wet bale. You know, I, I do round bales and solids, basically. Sure. Um... So what I'd like to do is have more fencing, more pastures. So in the fall, you know, I can take all my weaned calves or the cows that are calving. You know, I'm gonna have a spring and a fall group, and they can graze out there. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's more for them. You know, it's more of a stained stained business. Yeah, I guess you'd say. Yeah, yeah. Um, you. You're yeah. utilizing all your acres. You're, you're doing everything at your full potential. Sure. I mean, don't get me wrong. The harvest business is is wonderful. I love it. Like I never get out of it. You know, and I've we've talked about. Oh, maybe we'll just kind of get out of it and keep going farming. I like all three businesses. They they yeah. work together and they they really mean a lot to me. But I like to level out with the harvesting and then build the other two. Sure, sure, sure. What do you think the future is of the beef business? If I knew. Um... We'd be there. Um, We have a lot of goals and a lot of ideas, and it's kind of that struggle of the meat locker again, and it's not their fault, you know. I scheduled these appointments two years ago. So right now I'm trying to schedule appointments for the next two years and be like, where do we think we're going to be? How many beef can we provide? How many beef do I think I'm going to sell? So it's going to be a slow growth, but um, we definitely want to have like a on-the-farm location to pick up your beef um, maybe shipping as a possibility. Mm-hmm. Um, things that we've thought of um, with the storefront, you know, we'd have hours that we'd be open and I'd be interested in working with other local farms that provide sweet corn or something so that you're getting more than just beef when you come up here. Yeah, do you have a storefront right now? We do not. Right okay. now um, we have an online order form and then people just come to the house and pick it up right now. Mm-hmm. Um, we are looking, we just got a walk-in freezer and that has electric hopefully hooking up this week or next. Um, things have been a struggle. We, we've waited three months for just an electric box that we sure. needed, a special one for the freezer. Yeah. Um, so once that gets up and running, we're going to look into building some t- sort of storefront mm-hmm. um, so that we can have just a more easily accessible area. And mm-hmm. some people want to pick out their own beef, and I don't yeah. blame them. Um, yeah. I understand. So having that opportunity is going to be kind of where our next step is. Sure. Um, you know, and then once also, once we hit that step, you know, Janelle has a full-time job, you know, this is, this is a lot on her, you know, plus with the kids, you know, so that, that's a step you also got to think about in this industry is, you know, that full-time job really helps out a lot of times, but, you know, in order to push forward, it's going to take both of us. So, you know, that's a big, big thing, big stepping point, I guess you should say. I mean... Janelle is very passionate in what she does. She we we've met, you know. She's given me the opportunity to meet a lot of nice people, uh, really good people. So it's it's one thing, you know, with her job, you know, that she has now. We have opportunities there as well. So, yeah. you know, that that's one thing you got to think about in in this industry is, you know, your relationships with people are that is golden. That's if huge. you don't have those relationships. I mean, it, it's going to be very difficult to be successful. Yeah, it is yeah, one hundred. And like, like I've said a hundred <clears throat> times, so I don't know how many people. You know, you can have the best meat in the world. I mean, I doubt ours is even 
very high up compared to what some of these people. I mean, there's people that they're they're golden at everything they do. Um, I, I never will say mine's the best, but I think a lot of the time why ours has, I guess, blown up as much as it has. It's like we say the the picture that we show, the quality is excellent, you know. So you got those two things, but then it's the connections we keep. Mm-hmm. You know, it, if if you know, like we said, we don't have a storefront yet. It's not there, but the people come here. You know, they come to our house. You know, a lot of people go. Well, they're coming to your house. These people don't mind. They're wonderful to us. Yeah. You know, they. They get out of their cars, and you know we got four annoying dogs, <laughs> but they play with the dogs, you know, and and then they get to see the cows, you know, they walk around for a couple minutes, and and that's that's enough. And when they say they had a granddaughter, the next time you see them, you have to ask how the granddaughter is. It's oh, that yeah. we have that relationship, and they want to see the baby, they want to just see what's going on. So sure. that that's one thing that we take value in is I do my best to remember our customers and what they do and keep that relationship like we've, we've had a few customers that have come up to us and hey we bought meat from you you know you remember us and we've both actually said it like no we, we don't remember you and that really hurt us you know mm-hmm. it probably hurt them you know they, they just kind of smiled it off you know but to us we were like man this that's not good you know so that's another thing we were like we're going to have to push for that so i feel as though I, i've told janelle you know she's pushing for a storefront you know it's going to happen but you get a storefront then you're going to have somebody else there with you as well. It's not just going to be you. So it's not your face no more. So at that point, you know, like you were saying, how do you see yourself with the harvest business? You know, we're, we're trying to figure out where that safe zone is with the storefront, you know, because mm-hmm. we don't want to overdo ourselves. You know, we want to make sure it's it's a family operation. I mean, we, we want to involve my grandmother and my grandfather. You know, we we have you know cousins out there you know we, we'd like to keep them in the loop you know janelle has uh, brothers as well you know we'd like to keep everybody we, we don't care about it. it's not about us yeah you know none of this is about us it's about family you know we like serving the community yeah i mean it, it, this is definitely it's definitely for everybody you yeah. know it, it's really a lot of times everybody goes well how much money you're making how much is this how much is that and i go I don't really care how much money I'm making as long as I'm making enough to keep this, you know, situation going, you know, as long as I can and keep raise this your son. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to have a heck of a life, you know. I don't need need a sports car or nothing like that. It'd be nice, but <laughs> I'd like to have a sustainable business that supports my family and everybody wins at the end of the day. Yeah, that's awesome. And you have an important job, though, off the farm. I do. I with do. Thompson Ag Consulting. Tell me what you do with them. Yeah, so Thompson Ag Consulting is a consulting firm that does work for a number of agricultural organizations. So, for example, the Maryland Grain Producers and the Maryland Pork Producers. So the association side of those organizations handle lobbying in Annapolis to making sure that we're there for the farmers and keeping their rights their rights. Um, So my boss mainly does all the lobbying there in Annapolis, um, and she does a wonderful job keeping up and representing our producers. Lindsay Lindsay Thompson. Yeah, Lindsay Thompson. She's amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, So for her, I do all of her program and PR work. Mm -hmm. Um, So for the organizations, I handle their websites, the social media, the press releases. Um, I have some grant work through the Mid-Atlantic 4R Alliance and the Delaware-Maryland 4R Alliance that we work with. Um, and then also just our events like the Maryland Commodity Classic, I help organize. And I mean, we're a team effort. We, we're very well at keeping things together, you know, back and forth, staying very open and communicating about what's going on. And Lindsay has um, a student intern and then an administrator that does all the financials there. So <coughs> we have a nice team and we all work well together. And um, we're there for the farmers and help them to do what they need to do for all of our meetings and representing them and attending events as we so please and then um we're also there for the community or mm-hmm. the resource for them if they have a question about pork production um we want to be their go-to so making sure that that's clear yeah. so i love what i do that's awesome but how do you handle it all how do you balance it all <laughs> she um, doesn't <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's there's always one pillar that struggles a little bit i'm not gonna lie um if it's the house or if it's um one of the 
few businesses that we have going on you know he might not get invoices out for a few weeks and you can blame me for that it's just I haven't got to it but every day every week I prioritize what can get done while Lee's awake and what can get done while Lee's napping and I just work on those things while I can um some nights I might have to stay up until 12 just to make sure I get the emails out that I need to um but I'm thankful for the family and the friends that we have that help with Lee when times are tight or when I have to go to St. Louis for a few days. Um, so Joey's been taking care of Lee for <laughs> a few trips, um, and he's enjoyed that time. You know, he like he said, he feels like he missed out on the first few months, and he wants to make up for that. So mm-hmm. um, he's been doing great with that, and Lee only wants to be with Dada and the tractor anyways. So... Um, <laughs> That's awesome. And I think with that, that's a great way to end the interview. So thanks a lot, guys. I appreciate it. Thank you. You guys have an impressive business. So that's awesome. That's awesome. If you want to learn more about Joe and Janelle's beef and grain business, check out their Facebook and Instagram pages. Just put in McHenry's Beef and you'll quickly learn more about their farm and what they have to offer. Thanks for listening this week and good luck with planting season out there. See you next time on the Young Farm Podcast.